everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Between the Lanes. We are so glad you're with us. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening, watching, uh, being a part of it. And hey, I just want to make sure you, uh, you know and understand what we do at the Executive Leadership Institute, ELI, uh, is about equipping and training leaders. If you visit us at executiveleaders.com, you can learn more. And uh, much of what we talk about here, we dive in in a deeper way uh, through what we do at ELI. So just want to invite you to participate in that. Uh, and uh, we'd love to tell you more. You can visit us there on the website. Now, today, what we're going to talk about is a very important role that a leader has to identify truth. Okay, so that might sound like a, what do you mean by that? Well, the view that I have about this is that a leader, no matter where you are, maybe you're the CEO of an organization or you're a leader of a department, you, you get insulated by what's directly around you, whether your direct reports um, or just what information comes your way and that just might not be the whole truth. That might not be everything that's going on. And the question is, am I making the best decisions based on the information that's coming to me? Do I have all the truth? And uh, I read a book by Colin Powell. Dad, I don't remember if you read this or not, but it, Colin Powell, if you don't remember, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he's passed away now, but he was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, was Secretary of State, led at the highest level you, know, you can do. Yeah. And uh, he wrote a book called It Worked For Me. And I, I love talking about it because when you think about leading at that level, and it's, just, it's like just a humble title to a book for a guy <laughs> who led that level. It's like, hey, man, it worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you, you know. <laughs> and, but he told this story in this book where he talked about as he elevated in, in the leadership in the military, he baked relationships along the way, you know. And um, as he got to each new level, and then even the highest level at chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he told people throughout his different relationship levels, who were now scattered throughout the organization at all sorts of different levels, he said, hey, uh, I want to give you my number. You call me if there's something I need to know. Uh, skip the chains of command. You don't have to go through these levels. I'm giving you my number. You contact me because I want to know what you know. Mm. And he was very selective who those relationships were. It was, you know, I think I remember he said something, maybe a dozen people or whatever. But, but his intent was, I want to know truth. Yeah. And I want to know what's happening throughout the organization. And that example clearly really stuck with me because I thought, man, how, how isolating can it feel as a leader when you're at the top of whatever department or organization that you lead that... You're, you're really trusting. You're trusting people that are around you and so forth to be giving you the right information so you can make the right decisions. And so a leader has to then turn that into a proactive way that they can seek out and discover truth that's present in the organization. There, there's my lead in, Dad. How do you respond to that? <laughs> what thoughts do you have? I think, um, so we're, we're, we're reaching out to faith-based uh, leaders in business and in organizations. And so there's an element that says uh, part of what you do in leading is you partner with God. Mm. And I, when I think about this issue, I think about um, God who knows everything. If, if we consider him as a partner in our leadership, uh, he's going to be faithful to make sure that we, we get information in a timely way yeah. if we don't reject the source. Mm. 
So I, I, what this makes me think of is, as a parent, uh, we used to tell you kids, <clears throat> we're not going to be with you 24-7. We're not going to be with you every place you go, but God is. Mm. And God will be faithful to make us aware of what we need to know. And it was amazing to me uh, how information would come in the most random ways. Uh, we'd say to one of you kids, uh, so you're going to be here, but we don't want you to be here. And you'd say, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and then we'd run into a, a parent someplace not trying to check up on you, and the parents say, oh, hey, I saw your son or daughter over at so-and-so. And I said, over so-and-so. <laughs> exactly where I told that, them not to be. That sounds like Lindsay. I don't think that ever <laughs> happened with me. <laughs> I, and I have to, in order to take advantage of that, I have to be sensitive to the methods of, of information that I get. And I think as leaders in any organization, if we will be sensitive, we don't have to create a culture that says, I want, I want tattletales. Yeah. I want spies yeah. that, to you know, be looking around and, and then informing me. I just think if we just say, hey, uh, I won't, I'm, I'm open. And if the organization knows my leader is sensitive to the issues going on, and I, I don't know how he knows four layers down what took place, but I know he's informed. Yeah. You yeah. Know, that's important. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so many different ways that you can do that. You know, I think about um, just at, wisdom comes from a multitude of counselors. Mm -hmm. And so if we want to make good decisions, how we have advisors, you know, one of the things that uh, I've liked to have throughout my different roles of leadership is advisory boards, people who can speak in that are, and I got the idea from that example from Colin Powell, like, hey, no matter where they are in the organization, and this might include even, so uh, as a, from a church leader, might include somebody from the congregation. And hey, we're gonna, we're gonna do this certain thing, and I just wanna get your perspective. What, how, how do you think your area would perceive this? Now, here, this gets into an interesting topic because I think about, and I've seen different talks about, about are you a, um, a consensus leader or a directive leader? And I've really kind of struggled with that comparison uh, because it, it's, it makes out consensus, lead, consensus leaders uh, to be bad. Mm. And usually when it's explained how it's explained, I agree with it. <laughs> and usually it's because I, God should give direction and you, you lead and, and that's what leadership is. But... I have a view of collaboration. Mm -hmm. I have a view of feedback that informs a leader. That's not about building consensus. It's about getting information. And and I believe the the more information I can get, how I'm wired is I want to get all the information that I can to make a good decision. Yeah. Um, the the risk on that side of leadership is you you're slow. Yeah. Because you're trying to gather information, and as you're gathering. It's like a decision needs to be made. We're ready to make a decision. Mm -hmm. and, but what I'm doing is I'm ingesting the data mm -hmm. and helping it run through my decision matrix to then make a good decision. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, so how, how do you view, because you and I have talked a little bit about this idea, those different kinds of leaders. What would be your perspective about that? Well, uh, I think 
maybe it's by my age or generation, I, I've always thought the top-down leader is the, the right kind of leader. Mm. <clears throat> um, today, uh, you know, my view has changed a little bit, and it's changed because of watching you. I remember uh, when you set up a, an advisory group, mm. and it was a, an advisory group made up of different people in the organization uh, <clears throat> that didn't report to you, and uh, it was outside your, your scope of direct oversights. And you met with them, had lunch with them, uh, and it, it was not a spy session, but it was a, let me hear how things are going from your perspective. Yeah. What do you think about, uh, how are you feeling? And the, it was a, a mechanism, it, it just put your antenna up throughout the whole organization mm -hmm. to say, I, I don't want to be fooled. I don't want to be naive mm -hmm. and think that we're better than we are. Yeah. I want to hear what's going on. Yeah. I, and I, I think today, so to the degree that that is what you, how you would describe a collaborative leader, mm. I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. I think that you can still be a decisive, visionary leader and, and still do those kind of things that are really important in yeah. the organization. Yeah. Well, part of how I, I view leading in that way is, um, you know, I, I think in leadership, you want to get buy-in from your team to move forward and where you're wanting to go. But um, I, at least I view that. Now, some leaders could care less about buy-in. <laughs> like, here's what we're doing. We're going forward. I, it's just not the kind of leader I am. I want buy-in. Um, and so sometimes that takes time to get buy-in. Sometimes I believe in, and I, I think Patrick Lencioni said it first, it might have been others if I'm missing giving the proper uh, credit to this quote, mm. but uh, weigh-in leads to buy-in. So if I, if I give a team the opportunity to weigh into a decision, that sometimes, and I've experienced this, both as the leader, but also as the person who got the opportunity to weigh in, yeah. um, sometimes my experience has been somebody goes, hey, I just, I loved I got a chance to say something, thank you. Now, whatever you do with that's great. They're not even expecting you to act on what they said, but the weigh in allowed somebody to, to get to a place of buy-in. And I found sometimes the weigh in speaks a truth organizationally that you didn't know about. Yeah, Could be how it affects their area, could be the effect on people, could, whatever it comes your way, that may not even be what, the main point the person was trying to give you, but you learned something in that process. And without the idea of weighing in, leading to buy-in, you would have missed that opportunity to learn that truth. And that's, that's really huge. <clears throat> I've, I've, been, <clears throat> I've been in top-down management situations where a decision was made, <clears throat> we start to implement the decision, and then we get feedback, it's like, oh, we didn't think about that. Yeah. Oh. This is an unintended consequence of the decision that we just made. And then you got to back up uh, out of those things where if you would have been a little more collaborative, a little more, yep. uh, you know, uh, allowing uh, input, you would have found out, <clears throat> oh, if we, <clears throat> if we do this. Yeah, it's going to break down this over here. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. The, uh, the other thing that I've experienced on teams is um, sort of a, a false harmony. Mm. And, it, and now that may exist because an atmosphere wasn't created to give feedback or whatever, but it's like, we all, we're in a meeting, we all agree, yeah, we're going to do this, this is what we're going to do, and then we leave and it doesn't go that way. And come to find out, it's because 
it, it could be the situation like, oh, we got into it and realized this area is going to be impacted, so it's just not going to work. We don't do it. Or wh whatever it is, a person wasn't fully truthful in, or, or allowed themselves to go there intellectually, far, was strategic enough to go, oh, wait, we just had that discussion. We all agreed to something. We can't do that. Yeah. The meeting happened. There was an agreed way that that was going to roll out, but it didn't roll out that way. And it didn't roll out that way because truth didn't come to the surface in the meeting for any number of reasons. And that happens enough time, you build a lack of trust in the organization, a lack of confidence in, in leadership. Uh, and all of that happens. That's an outcome of not inviting full truth into the conversation. Yeah, or <clears throat> I've been involved in a few of these things where, <clears throat> where it, things are moving at such a pace that you, you get collaboration and you make a decision on outcome. Everybody agrees. And what you don't really talk about is the implementation. And so the person then is responsible for implementing. They begin to implement and you go, no, that's not what we intended at all. And actually the implementation, the way you're doing it, isn't going to get us the result that we all agreed upon. Right. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing, it, it, thinking about um, leaving a meeting with an agreed-upon outcome or way we're going to do it, and then it not going that way. Mm -hmm. I, I'm actually, I actually have no problem with that if it's brought back to the meeting to go, hey, we made a decision. Uh, I got new feedback. I yep. got new information. This is another quote that I love, and I think I got this from Dr. Mark Rutland. First place I heard it was, uh, I reserve the right to change my mind with new information. Yeah. I think we all have to have that right. Hey, I got a new truth that I didn't have previously. I got to reserve the right to change my mind. If as a leader or, or an organization, we just are committed to plow through the decision we made, regardless of what new truth comes our way, mm -hmm. that's a wrecking ball. Yes. So how, how I am able to go leave a meeting, find out new information, didn't have it in the meeting, or didn't consider it to the way and weight that it had, I bring it back. As long as I bring it back in the right process, it says, hey, we, we, we agreed upon this, this new information changed. The problem is when that leader or that department just decides not to do it, and it's never re-communicated organizationally, it just causes massive confusion. Yeah, and sometimes <clears throat> you don't pause uh, because you don't want to be embarrassed. It's like, uh, I remember uh, this situation. <clears throat> when I was in Amarillo, uh, we were looking for a piece of property. <clears throat> and we determined that the way we're going to get this piece of property is we want it visible, we want it accessible, and we want it cheap. And we were going to build a new building, put it on this property. <clears throat> so we looked around, and we found a piece of property that met those criteria. It had access from I-27. It had accessibility from multiple roads. And the, the guy that was selling it uh, was sort of, he had an affinity toward us, and so he was going to give it at a good deal. Mm. So uh, all excited, <clears throat> we go to the church, and we say, hey, you know, we've been praying for some land for a new building, and uh, we, here's what we've been praying, and, and we have the land, and everybody, yeah, that's awesome, that's awesome. We took a vote, and it was like 98% were moving forward to buy the land. <clears throat> on Monday morning, following the vote on Sunday, there's a knock on my door, and a guy shows up, and I, I've never met him before. And he said, uh, hey, I understand you guys are... Uh, looking at buying a piece of property. And I said, yeah, we are. We we just had a congregation vote and we, we 98% yes. And he said, well, um, 
I think I have the property you're supposed to build your building on. And if you have a minute, I'll take you out and show it to you. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, let's go. So I got into his car. <clears throat> he took me out to a piece of property and it was way more visible. It was way more accessible uh, than what this piece of property that we had. <clears throat> and he said, I know the guy you're buying your piece of property from and I'll make you a better deal. Mm. And it, then I thought to myself, oh great. Now, what are we gonna look like when we go back to the congregation and say, hey, we've been praying and we thought we had the property, but we don't have the property. We, yeah. Now we have the property, yeah. you know. And, <laughs> uh, and so uh, we did, fortunately, we, we had an elders meeting. The elders said, no, we gotta, we gotta do this. Mm. And uh, so the next Sunday we said, Hey, <laughs> good news. Good news. We're still buying property. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, uh, we actually found a better uh, situation. We told this scenario and we revoted and bought that property. And uh, the, the point is, at least the thing I felt in that, the temptation was, yeah, we're, we're already set. Uh, we got our, our direction set yeah. and we don't want to undermined our authority in this, so we're just gonna stay with what we did. Yeah. Rather than saying, oh, God may be saying something here and what we're supposed to be doing, right. and I, I'm gonna embrace the truth of that yeah. rather than yep. try and protect my, my ego or my pride or my reputation or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And here's one thing I learned in that. Uh, it's easier to turn a moving vehicle Mm -hmm. So you think about your car. If your car is dead, the battery doesn't work, and you need to push it out of your driveway or into a place. If, if you get the car just moving, it's easier to turn the steering wheel than it is just sitting in, in a stationary position. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, when we're trying to figure out as leaders, what is God wanting? And we, we do our best. Uh, in, in that scenario I just talked about, we did our best. We prayed, we looked, we had no idea that this property was available. And we moved forward in, in the integrity of our heart to do what we thought was right. And God intervened. Yeah. And then the question when he intervened was, are you gonna humble yourself? Are you gonna embrace truth? Or are you gonna stay with your yeah. plan? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it sort of strikes me that truth and yeah, well, so, you know, we're in a world that sort of like emphasizes my truth. Mm -hmm. It puts into question every truth that's out there. And now I have my truth, which I obviously I don't agree conceptually with that. There's a truth it's the word of God. His word is true. And, and the implications of his word on our life are, are true. Um, but when you're making uh, a decision or you're communicating like that, it reminds me of this, the issue of vulnerability that I think can really help leaders lead towards truth. And if it's, I'm, it, so what happened in the situations you gave, and I've been a part of examples like that as well, where you, you start on course towards something, but then something changed. I got new information, whatever. God led in a different way. And so we changed direction. Um, sometimes even the change of direction was, uh, I, you know, I felt like the Lord led this way, and then uh, and then I felt like He changed. Yeah. Well, if I'm concerned <clears throat> about how people are going to perceive that, then I'm going to spin it a different way, as opposed to if I'm vulnerable 
and, and give you the processing that went on in my heart mm. that led to the change of, of decision. The risk of that, which is the truth of vulnerability, is I may tell you something that you turn around and hurt me with. Yeah. <clears throat> More often than not, what we know, I mean, that's the, the enemy tries to tell you being vulnerable is going to kill you. Yeah. More often than not, what the reality of vulnerability is, is it leads you to a place of health. It leads you to a place of right standing with people. And what the enemy would try to tell you is going to lower you in the eyes of people ends up increasing in the eyes of people because that's what vulnerability does. Yeah. So as a leader, if you're changing directions because of new information or truth, the truth of how you've been directed, truly you have been directed a certain way, but you're concerned about how you communicate that. When you're vulnerable and let people into your way of thinking, what happened in your heart that led to this change, as opposed to it being something that causes people to think worse of you, more often than not, they're gonna go, thank you for being vulnerable, I'm with you. Yeah, I think there's one sort of thing to guard against uh, in, in this, uh, if, if you find your, if, if a pattern begins to develop that you, you lead, you make a decision, and then pretty shortly after making the decision, you change. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know. Yeah, you're kind of willy-nilly or it's yeah. like, you know, flippant and, yeah. It disheartens the organization to think, yeah, are we really going to do this or not? You know, yeah, he said this, but, uh, you know, just give it a couple of days. Right. We'll probably change. Right. You're, you've got a, a process problem yeah. in your decision making. Exactly. That needs to change. Yeah. Uh, so... If, if you find yourself in a pattern where you make a decision, make a decision, and then change that decision over and over. Yeah. If the pattern and the habit turns into constantly changing, you've got a system problem. System problem. Yeah. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, if you're pretty stable in your decision making and, uh, and you get new information, and with that new information, you need to make a different decision, don't be too pride, prideful to, to say, no, I'm going to stay the course yeah. and make a mistake. Yeah, and I'd, I'd encourage any leader watching, if you've never been vulnerable in the way that, that I just described vulnerable, yeah. you, you, you give an opportunity for someone to be able to turn around and hurt you with the information you gave. Now, I can think of a bunch of scenarios that it's like, you do that, understand what I'm saying. It's the way you let someone into your, your heart, into yeah. your life, yeah. And when you're trying to lead people to a place maybe that they haven't been before or in a way that's a, a challenge and a difficult way to lead, and you've never, you've never gotten to the place of being vulnerable, and by, in that scenario, what I mean, the way they can hurt you is they, they could leave. Yeah. Or they could challenge you. They could put up resistance against what you're trying to say. That's what, that's what the enemy would try to tell you. Sometimes there is resistance, but oftentimes what it really leads to is people now buy in because they see your heart yeah. and they want to follow someone who they've seen. Now I see you, I see you are a human and you process things and you, you feel and, and I now I have a window into you when you've let them into that real personal side of you, that's the kind of leader people really want to follow. That's so true. And uh, there is a difference between vulnerability and flakiness. <laughs> and yes. And you know, we're not advocating flakiness. Right. We are advocating vulnerability yeah. because vulnerability is authenticity. Yeah. It's realness yeah. in, in the process. Yeah. And people want to be connected with something that is authentic and real. Yeah. Yeah. What you don't want to your point of flaky, I think of James 1 where it's like, hey, when you pray and ask for wisdom, don't, 
then then accept God's wisdom. <laughs> don't don't bounce back and forth like a wave that's tossed to and fro. A double-minded, uh, double-minded in, in all your ways. So not advocating double-mindedness. Um, yeah. But advocating, be willing to adapt. Yep. With new information, and and do it do it carefully. Yep. But the whole point of this whole talk is, as a leader, you might not have the whole truth. Mm-hmm. And the, the real issue is be willing to do that when you discover there's a truth you don't know. Yeah. There is something that you missed. And, and the real effort then is mining the organization for that truth mm. and making sure that you get it. I think that's the, that is the, the beauty of a confident uh, committed leader mm. is they're they're not uh, so prideful or arrogant that they they can't uh, admit. Mm, yeah, maybe I need some help here. Maybe yeah, I, or they're so committed to their idea. Yeah, that they're willing they're unwilling to go. Might there be another way, or yeah. might there be a better idea? Uh, I think a, a healthy, mature leader goes. I really want the best, so let me look to make sure I have all the truth before this decision is made. Yeah, and uh, the point that you're making is uh, establishing a process that seeks the truth. Mm-hmm. How, how, how are you going to do that? And um, if you don't have a process, well, then may, maybe think about an advisory group or mm-hmm. uh, you maybe uh, think through how could I be more collaborative in inviting input yeah. and be careful that as people give you input, you don't shut them down. Yeah. And the other thing is don't carry the weight that you have to do something with all the input. Yeah. It's just input. Yeah. And and to the degree it informs something new in you, great, helps you make a great decision. It doesn't mean that you're leading by consensus simply by asking for feedback or asking by for input. Yeah. That's all it is. Feedback is input. Put it in, factor it into your decision making. Now move forward with the truth you have. And when you process the information, the team that is with you will follow you even if you don't implement their idea. Exactly. Because they've, they've weighed in. Mm-hmm. So one, one perspective that I would give, and I'm going to come at it from two, two different angles, would be, um, as a leader, have I created the atmosphere where if someone has information that I need, they feel like they can bring it? Or am I the kind of leader that kind of squashes feedback, stuffs down input from the organization, and I don't create that kind of atmosphere? That's, that's one kind of... I guess, reflective point to give to leaders to say, what kind of atmosphere do you create? And are, are people able to bring, if someone has a truth that they think you would want to know, have you provided either the mechanism, could be structurally, hey, give it to your boss and they bring it to me, or I've got an advisory board, give it to them, or there's a feedback box and multiple mm-hmm. ways that mm-hmm. procedurally you could do that, you could create that. Oftentimes it just simply comes with the air that you give off. Right. Uh, so there's that angle. Then there's the angle of, um, I'm in an organization or I, I have information to give that I think would better inform the organization. What do I, what do I do with that? And, and is it really, um, do I have a, a responsibility to do something with that? Now it, it's a difference between an opinion. Do they know my opinion, which may be good, but there may not really be necessary versus I have data. I have facts that you may want to know to inform your decision. Nobody asked me, I have it. How do I how do I get this to you? And do I have the courage to be able to bring that? Um, and and I think being able to evaluate from an employee standpoint, 
the courage that's necessary to bring truth that you have uh, and bring it into the into light, bring it into and and I'm not talking about a truth that there's something um, nefarious going on. I just want to be clear as we're talking about this. It's not about something illegal. That's a whole other. I mean, I think as you you are, it's it's required of you. Yeah. You know, there's whistleblower yeah. stuff to bring bad stuff. I'm simply talking about you have data or information that would inform and make better decisions, and you're holding on to that, or you didn't. You know, weren't asked about it. Now, you know, what do you do with that? Um, and I, I just I think to encourage people to go if you've been put in a position, who knows? It could be an Esther kind of moment. It's just for a time, just like this that. You have information that could really better your organization if you're willing to step forward and do it. Yeah, sometimes if you're further down in the organization, you talk yourself out of giving input because it's like, well, surely they know this. Right. I mean, they're, they're, there's yeah. probably people talking about this, and why would I give this information? And it, it, a, a humble uh, response that says, you're probably thinking about this, but I had this thought, and I wanted to give it make sure that you, you know, you were aware of it and you can then humbly receive it. And if you already know it, it's like, yeah, appreciate that. And it, then it comes as confirmation yeah. of what you're doing yeah. uh, as a, as a part of that process. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a thought though. Um, uh, one of the things that we want to want to be able to discern as leaders is motive mm. intent. Mm -hmm. you, you know, uh, sometimes People in a in the organization, they have a political purpose. They have an end in mind that they're wanting to get to, yeah. and and they will give you truth, enough information to paint a picture that is not real, and you're not aware. It's like, oh, I didn't. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. And it, and and it's all intended to swing you in a certain direction mm. uh, that. Uh, that they want it to go, yeah. and um, you just have to guard yourself. It takes it takes wisdom, uh, discernment. It it takes a good team around you, uh, and if you notice that there's there's somebody this this one particular person or group, uh, they have all ulterior motives whenever they give input. Yeah, be careful. Yeah. Man, that's a whole other angle we could go of just the discernment uh, and and what people's motives and and when you see someone who who maybe keeps popping up to try to get their their agenda pushed, yep, bringing you know whether it, whether it's information or a perspective, opinion, da da da. Um, there's it's it's appropriate to to deal with that, yeah, um, and address politics. There, and sometimes that has to do with what is the culture of your organization. There's a guy um, who was very, very capable guy. Uh, ended up, he came on on our staff and um, just didn't. He 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 kind of he did that. He would kind of pop up. I, I described it to him when I was talking to him. I said, "It's like our, if our culture is a moving stream, you every once in a while you just kind of pop up out of the stream. <laughs> Everyone else is kind of moving, it's flowing good. You just kind of keep popping up, mm -hmm. and that doesn't jive with our culture." Yeah. There's a way to give feedback. There's a way to bring mm -hmm. things. You keep kind of popping up. And good person ended up leaving the organization and doing good things. It wasn't he wasn't bad, but he wasn't wasn't a fit. 
and what our culture was. And and so part of what brings into here is what's the right way to do that? And the way to bring it um, is is definitely relative to different organizations. What's what's needed goes back to the point of a leader. What are you creating in terms of the space so that you can make the best decisions and you make those decisions knowing all the truth that's available to you? That's so good. And this subject is so important. I think truth really matters. And as leaders, we need to embrace truth in, in truth in every form. We need to create an environment that is whole and pure so truth can prevail. Uh, Todd, I, I think this has been a great conversation. And why don't you pray us out this time? Okay, I'll do it. God, thanks for, uh, Lord, that you are truth. Uh, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And I thank you, Lord, that you you bring truth into our lives. And so I pray for everybody watching today. Maybe they're in a situation where they're, uh, they're wondering how to bring that information to their leaders, give them wisdom of how to do that. Maybe they're a leader today uh, who's about to make a decision and step into something that they actually need to get a little bit more information and you yeah. may guide them to a different decision based on truth that they're missing. Lord, thank you know you. The, the point of this topic and what we're trying to get across. I pray it would settle in those who are watching and listening, Lord, that they would be better leaders, make better decisions, uh, Lord, as they seek out truth. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next time.